everyone to episode 57 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. My special guest this week is Dr. Laura K. Barger. Now, Laura is an associate psychologist in a division of sleep and circadian disorders at Brigham and Women's Hospital and assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing Laura talk at the University of Miami Symposium in 2019. And uh, I thought she'd be a great guest on here to just talk about sleep and how important it is for all of us first responders. So without further ado, let's actually bring her in. Here's Laura K. Barger. All right, welcome everyone to the 25 Live. With me today, my special guest, Laura K. Barger. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Well, thanks for being on here. Um, Let's just jump right into it because this is something that is just... I don't think people are aware as much as they should be about this. Can you talk to me about the importance of sleep? Yes, sleep is extremely important for everyone, especially though for those who work in safety sensitive occupations such as firefighting. Um, Sleep is important for physical health, it's important for medical, for mental health, it's important for your performance, um, your alertness and performance, and um, being able to stay alert and stay safe and do your job all day. All right, so I've always had the mindset of kind of that Warren Zavon song, I'll I'll sleep when I'm dead. I mean, I had that for the longest time, like, I'm fine, I can work through this, I can you know, take some energy drinks or whatever and power through things. And really it was uh, seeing you live in person in Miami uh, last year when we were able to do stuff live in person, where it was just like, wow, no, there's something here. I'm doing this completely wrong. This is something that we're, we're just missing. I was missing. And I think the fire service in general was missing. Yeah, we kind of have to fight against the culture that I'll sleep when I'm dead or sleep is for the weak. Um, You know, going back to, you know, the astronauts and the right stuff, um, that a a lot of of people think that they don't need sleep. And uh, we know that that's that's not true. The uh, adults need seven to nine hours of sleep each night. Um, you can take caffeine and that can improve your alertness, but it doesn't obviate the need for sleep. Caffeine just tricks the brain into thinking you're not sleepy, but you still need sleep. And um, like I said, sleep is when a lot of restorative processes uh, take place in, in the brain. It's um, slow wave sleep, deep sleep that helps with physical restoration. We know during the night that um, uh, during REM sleep, a lot of the neural connections are made, um, a lot of repair is being done. Um, uh, Recently, they found out that the brain cells actually shrink, the glial cells uh, shrink when you're sleeping, that opens up the passageway between those cells and we like to call it taking out the garbage. It, um, it uh, is able to drain the cerebrospinal uh, fluid more rapidly during sleep and takes out garbage such as um, the uh, beta amyloid plaques that are um, associated with Alzheimer's disease. 
So inadequate sleep, we now know, is associated with earlier dementia and earlier Alzheimer's disease. So um, that's you know, one, one other important reason why, why you should get the necessary sleep each night. So kind of speaking towards that as well. So it's, it's that plus it's behavioral issues. It's, it's cancer. I mean, there's so many different things that I've learned is just wrapped up regarding our sleep. But of course, us being on these shifts, because somebody has to be there at night, you know, there, there's going to have right. to be somebody because obviously emergencies don't, you know, just say we're, we'll just do it during the day. We're considerate. Um, <laughs> right. that, that definitely doesn't happen where I work. But, uh, you know, how does that whole circadian rhythm kind of deal with the, and I guess in particular, let's start with a cancer problem. Right. So, um, um, well, for, first of all, I want to say this is, is not a problem unique to um, firefighters. Uh, nearly one third of Americans sleep less than six hours a night. Now that's double the rate than it was 50 years ago. So this is a growing problem. Uh, sleep deficiency is an epidemic right now. Um, but shift workers have a unique challenge or people that have to work all night like firefighters do. Um, we know that 44% of them, so even a greater percentage, uh, report sleeping less than six hours a night. Um, and you're, you're kind of up against two different problems. Um, the circadian system is um, a, a system that programs the body on when it should be alert and when it can, should be asleep. And if you work at day shift, it aligns you know, perfectly. You're alert during the day when your body wants to be alert and you sleep at night when your body wants to sleep. But as a firefighter, if you have to be up all night, you are trying to be awake, trying to be alert when your body is programmed for sleep. And then you need to go home and sleep during the day when your body is programmed to be awake. So sort of a, a, a double whammy there um, that makes sleep difficult. It's harder to sleep during the day than it is during the night. Um, and you, you also mentioned cancer, which um, I should say, that we know that people who work shifts are at a higher risk for cancer. In fact, in 2007, the World Health Organization classified shift work as a probable human carcinogen. So we think it has to do with the light exposure at night um, and seeing uh, shift workers at increased risk for prostate cancer, for breast cancer, um, and there's a lot of continuing research going on uh, about shift workers and cancer. And um, I'll, I'll bring up one other um, comment from Matthew Walker, who wrote a really great book called Why We Sleep. And I, I really like this one quote in there that says, after just one night of only four or five hours of sleep, your natural killer cells, the ones that attack cancer cells that appear in your body every day, drop 70%. So that is just one, after one night, um, we know that uh, the, the 
immune, is, um, immune system is not working as efficiently as it could. So you can imagine over a lifetime of working shifts how that might increase risk. I mean, that's, it sounds like that's your opportunity for your body to heal. And when it's being interrupted constantly for decades, I right. mean, that, I mean it's, it's kind of there you go. And there's also a phenomenon, not, not to bring more bad news, but um, there's also a phenomenon called circadian scarring um, that is starting to get a lot of attention, but that even after retirement, sometimes it takes years for um, your circadian system to get back on track. We know that retirees of uh, people who work shift for um, you know many many years, report continued sleep disturbances. So that's that's an area that's um, certainly ripe for more research. And how how can we help people with that? And uh, how how can that be resolved? Yeah, that's absolutely great news. I thought that yeah. the end was near for me. We're going to be able to finally get some sleep and be all right. And you got to throw that out at me. Right. Well, I mean, there are things you can do now, even when you are working shifts, that can improve your sleep. If um, we it, if we want to talk about some some of those things that you let's, might be able to do, let's. I do. Let's get into those later, if you don't mind. Sure. Because I think we need to talk more even about the prom regarding okay. us, and I know that you've actually done some screenings, some different research regarding us. Um, what were some of those, I guess, if you will, could you kind of go into that research, particularly with firefighters and, and kind of the results of that? And then, and then obviously what you ended up doing because of that. Sure. Um, so we conducted a nationwide study of firefighters. We had, uh, 66 different fire departments from across the country participate and um, almost 7,000 firefighters took part in a survey that we did. Um, and, and what we looked at was um, not just sleep duration, but sleep disorders that are very common um, in US adults. And one of the most common is obstructive sleep apnea, which is, um, when a, a person's um, throat is unable to stay open at night, the, the muscles collapse and um, snoring is a really common symptom and it causes people to stop breathing hundreds of times a night, wake up gasping for breath. So this is really, um, uh, really disruptive to sleep and it's also associated with increased risk of obesity, increased risk of diabetes, increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So it's really important um, to identify people with obstructive sleep apnea. So what we did was we screened for um, common sleep disorders, OSA, that's obstructive sleep apnea, insomnia, restless leg syndrome, um, shift work disorder, just some of the common, there's 90 uh, sleep disorders. We just screened for some of the most common ones. And what we found was that a third of the firefighters screened positive for one of these disorders. Um, and 
OSA was one of the, the most prevalent uh, with 28% of firefighters screening positive for OSA. And what I think is most alarming is that more than 80% of these sleep disorders were undiagnosed and untreated. Now, it, the, these sleep disorders, OSA, are highly treatable. And if you treat them, you can reverse those risks of diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, um, and, and turn that around. So, um, we looked at some of um, the associated um, adverse health and safety consequences associated with sleep disorders in firefighters. And like I said, 80% of them untreated. What we found out was those firefighters that had a high risk for a common sleep disorder were more likely or twice as likely to have cardiovascular disease almost twice as likely to have diabetes, and three times as likely to have depression or anxiety. So mental health is super important as well um, with sleep and uh, sleep disorders. So once we found all that out, what we wanted to do was try to um, improve the sleep health of firefighters. So we put together a program of education and screening. And we did a clinical trial, which is the um, sort of gold standard of scientific uh, study. And so we went into a fire department and we uh, matched the stations for run call volume. And then, um, so put those in pairs and then randomized one of the um, stations to um, an educational program and another to a control where they didn't get any of the education. And we um, <clears throat> gave education to everybody in the experimental group. And it, we collected data from the fire department itself on injuries and disability day usage. And, and what we found out at the end of the year that one program where we went in and educated firefighters, we screened them for common sleep disorders. And if they were uh, at risk, we worked with them to get further evaluation, diagnosis and treatment for the sleep disorder. That group had 20% uh, less injuries and used almost half as many disability days as those in the control group. So we felt like we really can make an impact in a fire department by educating people on sleep, screening them for common sleep disorders, and then encouraging them to get further evaluation, diagnosis, and treatment if um, they're at high risk. Very nice. Um, now, what were some of the I guess, programs after the fact where you were like, okay, how can we go about and get these firefighters assistance? Because you had a whole, was it the, the Shaw program? Yeah. We, about? Sleep health and wellness program yeah. is, was the acronym for it. So since that time where we just did the education, we've also, um, been looking at, <coughs> um, we've also been looking at other ways that we could help in fire departments. Um, in one department, we went in 
and looked around to to see how we could help physically and the the sleeping quarters um, had blinds but they weren't completely blackout shades because it, if you are sleeping in unusual times, it's super important for you to have a dark, quiet space in which to sleep. So we went into the fire department and put blackout shades in the windows of all of the sleeping quarters. Um, we also looked at policies of this fire department. Um, I know that some departments don't allow sleep during the day. Um, and of course, we're advocates for napping when you can nap, because if you don't know if you're going to be awake all night or not. So um, we were able to talk to the, the management and the union and come up with a policy. We weren't allowed to call it a sleep policy, but we could call it a rest policy. Um, where firefighters could go in the afternoon if they didn't have a call, if they weren't busy with other things, could go into these rooms that were very dark um, because of blackout shades and they could take a nap uh, or rest um, during those early evening hours when there's a, a dip in the circadian rhythm that where you actually feel a little more sleepy uh, that, during that time in the late afternoon. So um, I, I think that was a, a, a good policy change. Um, we surveyed the firefighters at the end of that and um, they, uh, they reported that they did take advantage of the policy and um, NAP. I'm sure the union, they were like, uh, we're not, we're gonna let this one go. We're not gonna fight against this. Yeah, well, what's interesting is you know, we toured the different fire uh, stations and um, many had a room with a TV in it and lounge chairs where people would go uh, in the afternoon or when they had some time. And they, you know, they weren't allowed to nap, but they would just go in there and shut the door and, um, you know, basically nap, but it, but they, weren't allowed to, or it wasn't, it was not part of the, the culture that this was an okay thing to do. And so, you know, if people are doing that anyway, why not just make a policy where it's not only acceptable, but it's encouraged to get the sleep you need to stay healthy and to be more alert at night, you know, if you get a call so that, so that you have, um, call it prophylactic napping, you know, yeah. catch, catching up on the sleep before you need it that night. It's a, it's a different mentality because I've worked at a few different departments and the slower ones are the ones that are like busy work, busy work. We got to stay active, no TV, got to do stuff all the time and there are no naps. And then, you know, where I work now, we're busy. We know we're going to have a crappy night. So the attitude is if you get what you need to be done, but then take a rest while you can. So, but it's all, it just depends on, I think the department. Yeah. And we looked at um, sleep in about 80, 90 firefighters with actigraphy, you know, like one of the Fitbit watches or Apple watches you would wear that is an accelerometer and, and measures sleep. 
some of those um, devices aren't completely accurate. We use a sort of a research grade one that um, we feel confident in. Um, but we found, and, and these data aren't yet published, we're working on publishing these right now, but we found that across the board on average, firefighters were getting about five and a half hours of sleep per night while, on, uh, while at work at the station. But, and that's still certainly way less than the required seven to nine hours that uh, you need to stay healthy. Um, but what was really alarming is on 10% of those nights, there was zero sleep. The firefighter was not able to obtain any sleep at all during those 24 hours. And you don't know which kind of 24 hours it is, is gonna be when you go into work, right? whether you're going to have one of those nights with calls all night or whether you are going to get some sleep. And so that's the, you know, the really dangerous part. Not only are you getting less sleep than, than you need on average, but 10% of the time getting no sleep at all and having to go out and perform, you know, the, the kind of work that you do that's very safety sensitive and critical. So, um, that, that's a, a little bit uh, alarming and I don't know, um, you know, the inequities between stations and how, you know, some are really busy and some are not so busy and, and how you make that fair. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm sure you, you guys work, you work on that and think about that a lot. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's touch on, if you don't mind, talking about how we can try to fall asleep and make her sleep a little bit better quality? What are some of the steps that we could take? Um, so there, I mean, I, I tried to think of like what you can do, what firefighters can do, you know, personally, what all of us do to try to make our sleep better. And then what can be done at the fire stations to make it better as well. And one of the, one of the things that, that we think about at the fire station um, that we've seen in, in some different departments is how the alarms work. And um, in some stations, the alarm wakes everybody up. And as I understand it, you have to look up and see whether it's the truck or the engine or um, the ambulance and, and whether you need to be on that. And then if it's not you, you're supposed to go back to sleep after you know, this alarm which doesn't seem ideal. Other departments we've seen, um, it is an individual room and just the alarm for you goes off if you're needed. And it doesn't go off in the, in the rooms of the firefighters who are not needed at that time, which seems like so much a better approach that you're able to sleep, uh, you know, get more sleep if you're not needed at that time. Um, so I've, I've talked to, to a few firefighters about that, but um, my understanding is that's pretty expensive and perhaps not all stations can be retrofitted with those kind of alarms. But that seems like it would be super helpful in fire departments. Also, um, when we talked about sleep disorders, um, it, it's a little bit different in a firehouse if you have are suffering from untreated obstructive sleep apnea and are snoring at home, you know, you may, you're doing damage to yourself, keeping you awake. 
but um, you know, or you know, or your partner, but perhaps nobody else. But in a fire station, if you're sleeping in a bunk room and one person is snoring, now they're keeping everybody else up. Um, there's even one funny study talking about um, partners of people with untreated obstructive sleep apnea, how they lose their hearing because of the loud snoring. Um, and so making it acceptable and you know culturally appropriate to bring your CPAP device that is used to treat sleep apnea so that um, you know you're you're not keeping other firefighters awake during the night. Can can I jump in if you don't mind on that? Sure. Just that whole note. First of all, I was once one of those snore guys that ended up getting a CPAP, but um, yeah. I've had uh, before I finally went and did that, I had my bed kicked and stuff thrown at me, um, water, pillows, whatever else to, to basically shut up and turn over or whatever. But, uh, you know, I have been using CPAP now for a number of years. And even if the amount of the, my duration of sleep is not great, the quality is so much better than I had before. That's one thing. The other thing is that and this is for the listeners out there, what, what I have set up is, you know, cause I always end up waking up earlier before my wife and it's a hassle to try to unplug everything and bring that CPAP, you know, with me to the station. So what I end up doing is I have a second power charger and a second, um, you know, mask and, and tube. And I just unplug the power, unplug the tube and grab the actual CPAP like machine and, walk away and you know, wake her up and you know I'm good to go yeah that's a great that's a great solution um, and I'm done I have nothing more to offer it's all the, <laughs> that's yes. all I got well um, you know we have heard individually from firefighters who say um, when they were when we identified them at risk for sleep apnea and then they went and got treated and got um, a CPAP that it absolutely changed their lives. Um, as far as one, one wrote in about how it even changed his relationship and, um, you know, um, just quality of life and, and well-being can be so much improved um, just by, by being treated. So bringing awareness to that, I think, is super important. Um, <clears throat> so then um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you can do individually to improve your sleep. And um, we know that one, um, one thing that is really impairing sleep these days is uh, <clears throat> technology and devices being on your phone or an iPad or watching the television. Um, doing that in the hour or so before you fall asleep can really impair your ability to fall asleep. Um, we know from a study we did in our laboratory, there's a big difference between reading a, you know, an old fashioned book and reading on an iPad just because of the, the light exposure. So um, people that read on the iPad versus the old-fashioned book took longer to fall asleep. Um, their, their sleep wasn't as good, and it delayed their circadian rhythm. They woke up less alert. 
So if you can turn off all technology, and I would say at least an hour before you go to bed, you're going to be able to fall asleep better. And um, your phone, you should charge it in another room. This is a big problem with um, teenagers at home, but phones shouldn't be in the bedroom. It's just too tempting if you wake up in the middle of the night to grab that phone and scroll through social media or, 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 or whatever. It's um, not only the light that is um, causing the impairment in being able to go back to sleep, it's also the, the you know, the uh, stimulus of it um, to, to be on technology or video games or, or whatever. So if you get rid of the technology an hour before bed, that's a great start and charge phones out of the bedroom. Don't have them um, in your room. And it's something that you can't say, like I've um, heard people say, well, I tried that last night and it didn't work. This is something that's gonna take, uh, you know, give it two weeks, whatever, whatever you're gonna try to help improve your sleep. Try it and give it a couple weeks and see if it helps. Um, caffeine, caffeine has a six to nine hour half-life. So if you have problems falling asleep, you need to not drink caffeine in the afternoon. So um, try cutting out all forms of caffeine afternoon. Um, you can uh, have a bedroom uh, nighttime routine, just like when we, you know, babies, you try to do a routine then to help them fall asleep. We should all follow a routine, whether that is taking a shower or a bath or relaxing or doing yoga or meditation or whatever you need to help you fall asleep. If you have a routine, that's going to be helpful. Um, a cool, dark, quiet room is really important, um, especially if you're going to be coming home and trying to sleep during the day. If you can use blackout shades on your windows at home, that's going to be important. I think also um, with, with all shift workers, having you know a family meeting and talking about the importance of sleep and so that your family knows you're not being lazy when you're coming home and sleeping all day, that this is for your health and well-being. And, um, you know, it's necessary. It's like eating and breathing. You need, you need adequate sleep. And so being able to put a sign on the door or schedule activities so that sleep is planned. Um, sleep I think needs to be a priority. We write on our calendars, perhaps when we're going to exercise or we're going to go out with friends. But if you can block off on your calendar uh, when you get your work schedule, when you're going to sleep, when you get home, I think in, in making that a priority is also super important. Um, we know that after we've done education programs in, a, in the fire department, we asked people six months later, um, did you make any changes to your um, sleep patterns, your sleep activities? What sort of behavioral changes did you make? And we had people report, 86% um, of them reported that they made at least one sustained behavior change over those six months. So that's really huge because we all know behavior change is really difficult. 
but the most often reported was that um, firefighters tried to go to bed earlier and prioritize sleep more. Um, we would tell people who don't work shifts to keep a consistent sleep schedule. We know going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time each day is um, really important for, um, for health, but it's impossible with firefighters, right? Because you have um, such a, a crazy schedule of 24 on and then 24 off or however you do it. But um, if you can look at your schedule and decide, okay, I'm going to get home at this time and I'm allotting these eight hours for sleep, um, prioritizing that I think is important. Nice. Now, I kind of think of, when I think of this way, I, I'm thinking myself as a, a Johnny Cash, if you will. <laughs> okay. I know, and I, you're like, where are you going with this? I told you <laughs> earlier that I'd use... Um, energy drinks or whatever. If I was tired and I had to do something, I'd basically go to an upper. And then, you know, to fall asleep a lot of times, I had difficulty falling asleep. Um, so I turned to the ambient or, or something like that to, to mm -hmm. knock me out. Could you talk about kind of the downer side of things, the, the sleep pills and how it's, yeah, you're sleeping, but you're kind of not really sleeping. Yeah, I don't like to talk a lot about sleeping pills because like pharmaceutical prescription sleeping pills because um, I'm not a clinician, I'm not an MD. Um, and so I think if you, you know, you need to, to talk to a physician if you are gonna be using um, prescriptions, you know, long-term for, for sleep. But I know for insomnia, there are studies that show uh, cognitive behavioral therapy are just as effective of improving sleep as prescription sleeping pills are. So there's, there's other things that you can do to improve um, your sleep if you have insomnia rather than um, prescriptions. So, um, a lot of shift workers like to use melatonin to help them sleep. Melatonin is a hormone that occurs naturally in your body and it rises in the evening and it uh, helps you fall asleep. It produces sleepiness. So we've found in studies that it's not so helpful if you are taking it at night. If you, for example, are just a day shift worker and uh, you're going to sleep at night when melatonin is naturally rising in your body, taking more of it doesn't seem to be helpful. But where melatonin does seem to be helpful is if you're trying to sleep during the day. When melatonin is not naturally rising in your body, taking a supplement there can help induce sleep. A couple things to um, be careful of is that if it's sold as a supplement, you don't necessarily know what's in it. You can buy pure pharmaceutical grade melatonin because then you know what you're getting and um, that would be helpful. Also in you know the um, over-the-counter supplements usually sell melatonin in five milligram or 10 milligram doses. When we do studies in the laboratory, you, we use 0.3 or 0.5 milligram doses and find those helpful. 
So you really don't need five or 10 milligram uh, doses. I usually cut the, a pill in half if I'm traveling, you know, if you're traveling overseas or out of a different time zone. Again, you're sleeping um, when trying to sleep when melatonin is not naturally occurring in your body. And so that's when it can be helpful. And just a small amount um, will be helpful um, for you to fall asleep then. So, um, you know, that's something to consider as well. Perfect. Now that, I think that helps a lot. I, I think we, we just aren't educated in what a lot of these are. And I mean, I know I was using Ambien and I, I had some bad experiences on that. And, um, well, Ambien's famous, right? For, yeah. um, sleepwalking or, um, texting or whatever, whatever people do on Ambien, it's a little bit crazy. Yes. No. Well, I don't know if I did any of that stuff, but yeah, I'm sure my wife could tell you stories, but uh, I digress. Right. Uh, I, I did want to bring this up to you and just get your opinion. And cause, mm -hmm. cause I actually want to send this to these guys. All right. Here's my story. So two and a half years ago, I went over to England and I was going around different brigades and I was just kind of seeing what they were doing relating to firefighter cancer and just observing and, you know, seeing what was different. And so I went to six different brigades and of those two, um, they had a similar thing happen where labor and management got into it and they uh, had some contract dispute and management retaliated by getting rid of all the beds. I mean, oh, both, I both, places, both places had beds, uh, just like a, a, um, a garage and it was just full of everybody's beds and everybody had to, you know, bring an air mattress or have some foldable cot or just sleep awkwardly in chairs. I mean, it was just, it was a mess. I mean, you see the room, that's where they used to be. They're not there anymore. And so I still think that is going on. So to those departments that have done that, what, what would you say to them? I, I don't understand uh, the reason for doing that. I mean, is there some backstory I'm missing, but it seems, it seems crazy to me that if you're gonna work a 24 hour shift, you need to provide a place for people to be able to get sleep. Um, and I would think that you would want people to get as much sleep as they could, you know, to provide the most comfortable, um, the best policies, uh, you know, the best environment for people to get the necessary sleep when they can, so that they are healthier and more fit and more mentally prepared and um, better able to get along with their colleagues and do teamwork and to, to be alert and perform the job that you're asking them to do. So, like I said, I, I don't know the backstory, but I can't imagine a good reason for keeping people up for, um, you know, a 24-hour shift and not allowing them to sleep. Well, I, I thought it was bizarre back then, and it was certainly petty, and I don't really even know all the background, but um, doing what I know now and talking to you, it's just like, what are they doing? Like, they're really screwing with these firefighters' well-being. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what it sounds like. I have a colleague, Dr. Steve Blackley, who works with me and is starting um, a firefighter study over in England. Um, 
with University of Surrey. So uh, maybe we'll get some more information about uh, what's happening over there. Okay. Well, I can I can help you out with that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. I have, I have these things called uh, the 25 random questions and I'm not going to ask you all 25 because I know you don't have time for that. Okay. That'd be rude. But what <laughs> I, I have them all listed and I okay. just want you to pick out a number and I'll ask you the question. And these are more fun and okay. whatever questions. All right. Number nine. All right. Here's your option. You got to choose one. Okay. Unlimited sushi or unlimited tacos for life. Unlimited tacos, for sure. It is Tuesday. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. That was, that was easy. Uh, pick another okay. one. Um, 14. What's something that you've tried that you'll never, ever try again? Something I tried that I'll never try again. I guess um, when I was in uh, the Air Force, I jumped out of airplanes and I don't really see a need to do that again. That's you and me are on. Yes. That's mine too. That would be <laughs> Did my you do that? Not in the air force, but I jumped out of a plane. Oh, okay. It was bad. Yeah, this was in the army uh, airborne school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how about one more, one more okay. good one. 23. Chicago or New York pizza. Oh, I was just in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and I love the deep dish pizza. Okay. I, I, love, I love the thin New York pizza, too. I love any pizza. <laughs> All okay. good. You don't I, discriminate. Pizza is right? good. I don't, but that uh, most recent was the Chicago deep dish vegetarian pizza. I loved it. Nice. All right. Well, where can um, all my listeners track you down and find you if they had any questions or comments? Uh, well, I'm at um, the Division of Sleep Medicine at Harvard Medical School. And uh, so you could look up that website or my emails, lkbarger at hms.harvard.edu. All right. Well, perfect. I can't thank you enough for joining me on here. Um, it was really all... fun. I love Good. talking about sleep anytime. <laughs> yes. Um, and now after this, I'm going to go take a nap. How's that? Excellent. <laughs> but, Always good. But uh, for all my listeners, don't forget to review the show, share the show, subscribe. And thank you again, Laura K. Barger. You're the best. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye.